Worship in the World, a screen-free worship experience is brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us virtually today. There's nowhere else we can turn 
God, you know us. You know that some days we care deeply for the world around us, while other days we don't look beyond our own wants. You love us regardless, and you forgive us for the ways we sin. You heal us in all the places we feel pain. Hear us now as we confess silently, and then as we receive your assurance of love for us.
God's mercy never comes to an end. It is new every morning. Beloved, receive the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We can be at peace. Amen. And now for Holy Interruption. Good morning, Downtown Church. This is Kara Glenn. I hope everybody's been doing great. Um, Glenn family has done well through this weird and trying time. Um, my kids are doing great, having a good time. My daughter's really enjoying Tiny Theologians. For um, anybody who's participated in that, Lucas and Abigail are doing an awesome job. Um, we're happy to be back actually seeing people on Sunday mornings. That's been phenomenal too. So um, anyway, Glenn's will be around and we look forward to seeing you all in person. And anybody we don't see in person, just know we miss you and hope you're doing well also. All right, have a great Sunday, everybody. Bye. we continue our walk through the gospel of Mark, we come to Mark chapter 14, uh, a scripture that might be familiar and one where we derive the Lord's Supper. So hear now God's word to us today, Mark 14, 17 through 25. When it was evening, he came with the twelve. And when they had taken their places and were eating, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and to say to him one after another, Surely not I. He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the bowl with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one to have never been born. Then while they were eating, he took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, Take, this is my body. Then he took a cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank from it. He said to them, This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Friends, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Last week, after worship, I led a workshop with our 8- to 10-year-old tiny theologians on the sacraments. We learned together about the two sacraments that we celebrate as Presbyterians, baptism and communion. We talked about the history of communion, the meanings behind it, and the ways that Christ still meets us at this table of grace some 2,000 years later. Dawn led us through the Lord's Supper, and we took communion, socially distanced, just as we are about to do now. And at the end of our time together, I gave an opportunity for anyone to share what they had learned about communion. A hand shot up quickly, 
She said, I learned that I don't like these wafers. They taste like cardboard. She was right. These individually wrapped wafers don't taste good. They certainly don't compare to the fresh baked bread that I and maybe you are used to. And something about her comment seemed to embody all my feelings about COVID, wrapped up and packaged just like the wafer itself. And then I began to think. I thought about my first time at the Lord's table. It was fourth grade at White Memorial Presbyterian Church when I was allowed to participate in a class on this sacrament. We took it by intinction, meaning we came forward and grabbed a big old chunk of Hawaiian bread and dipped it in the juice. I remember it meant a lot to be included in the church in this way as such a young child. Then I remember taking communion in an old sanctuary in Raynell, West Virginia. My first week on the job with the Appalachia Service Project, our smorgasbord of volunteers, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Southern, Baptists, gathered together around this rickety old table, giving thanks to a God who met and transformed us in the hills and hollers of Appalachia. I think of the early morning service at First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta, 8 a.m. every Sunday, tucked into the chapel, a loyal, diverse crowd would gather to worship. Bank CEOs stood next to recovering addicts and men and women experiencing homelessness. But we'd all come to the table the same. Walking back to my pew every time, this one guy would give me a big old hug. It's good to see you, I'd say with a big smile on his face. It's good to be seen, he'd respond. I think of taking communion every Friday during chapel at Columbia Theological Seminary, walking up, seeing friendly faces, knowing the people who were serving. Dr. Martha Moore Kish presiding at the table, telling us that we are not to rip off the bread, but rather hold out our hands it will be given. A subtle reminder that no matter what we do or who we are, we never have to grasp for God's grace. I, like you might, hold these varied experiences around the table, around partaking the Lord's Supper to be very important in my faith journey these memories of how I have seen and felt the presence of God and been empowered and called to go out and do God's work of loving our neighbors and the stranger. But here we are, still distant from one another, trying to be safe as we have to be, but eating cardboard wafers. 
It hadn't hit me until writing this sermon and reflecting on the genuine critique from that tiny theologian, just how much I miss being able to partake in communion without worrying about killing somebody. Just how much I miss any intimate space where relationships and human interaction can occur without fear of harm, sickness, and death. These spaces feel like they are trapped deep in my memory and so distant from any current reality. These disciples had memories too. They had their own ideas of what had happened in the past. They had eaten with Jesus many times. They had heard his lessons, had been a part of his miracles, and witnessed his divine power over and over again. And these disciples get invited to a dinner party with Jesus. It's the Passover, after all, a celebration of the exodus of the Jewish people from Egyptian slavery. They might be sensing that Jesus is about to do something big. I mean, he's come to Jerusalem, triumphantly entering the city. Although Jesus has told his crew multiple times that he is going to die, they still don't get it. Their cultural experiences, their past, reinforce this idea that Jesus as the Messiah will be a king a ruler who overthrows the Roman Empire and continues the Davidic line of Jewish leadership. And Jesus, as the host, speaks. He clinks his cup and everyone pays attention, only to their surprise, out of Jesus' mouth comes, one of you will betray me. A bit awkward for a dinner party, don't you think? conversations arise, the disciples get defensive. Surely not I, they plea with Jesus and one another. Tension is present, confusion is in the air. But still, they eat together. And during the meal, that's when Jesus takes the bread. He breaks it and gives it to his friends. He pours the wine and gives it to his friends. This one act of hospitality embodies the radical act of salvation that will follow. But the ironic part is that his disciples don't know it yet. They cannot yet comprehend how his death and resurrection will triumphantly reorder the world. They came to that table not knowing what God was about to do next. They had their ideas, they had their hopes, their prayers, but Christ had a plan, salvation. And not just for his close friends, but for the entire world. And just like them, we still come to this table not knowing what God is about to do next. Because it's hard to imagine what's next at this current moment. I find myself continually thinking how great things were. 
of those many times taking communion, feeling the presence of God, seeing that presence in friends and in strangers. I think of the things beyond communion, just the normal activities of meeting friends for coffee, eating out, supporting live music, and more. Because in all honesty, I experience God in those too. And it's okay for me to remember those experiences fondly and be sad that they aren't possible or safe at the current moment. It's okay for us all to lament the encounters that have not been as we wish they would be. Church, school, our jobs, our home life, the concerts, weddings, dinners, ordinations, and celebrations that we had looked forward to but were not able to happen. And it's important that we show compassion and practice empathy for those who have lost jobs, incomes, their health, and their loved ones. These are things we are allowed to lament. It's okay to be sad. But I really believe that it's not okay for me or for us to wrap up our understanding of God's presence solely within the ways that we have experienced God in the past. To do so would deny that we worship a living, acting God who is active in the world right now. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann writes of the importance of having a prophetic imagination. It's threefold, he says. Firstly, we must look back at our memories of God. We must look back at the ways we have experienced and felt and known God in the past, whether it's from a church service at Downtown Church last Christmas or way back to looking at Moses freeing the Hebrews from Egyptian slavery. But in addition to looking back, we must look at the present and be aware of the injustices of our time. We must faithfully and prayerfully discern what God might have us do to work towards a more just reality. And finally, we must also look to the future, acknowledging that we worship a God who is not co-opted or contained by the empires and circumstances of our day. A God who is at work in the world, doing new things and moving us toward a future. And I, I say of this prophetic imagination because here Jesus, as a prophet, although he is much more than just a prophet, captures this threefold prophetic imagination. He gathers his disciples on the Passover, celebrating the past, remembering the ways God saved the Hebrews. But in feeding his disciples and doing so by breaking all the social constructs of the day, he speaks to the present. He cares for his friends, for the strangers in the present. 
And then finally, through this meal and the crucial events that follow, Christ does not stick to that or any script in the ways in which he will care for us. Looking to the future, to an eschatology of redemption, Christ reinvents salvation. Christ does a new thing, builds a new type of community, and at this table, he invites us to join in. The good news that I see from the Lord's Supper in Mark is that Christ meets us in times of tension, of betrayal, of division, and takes this mundane, ordinary act of eating and does a new thing. He does a thing that we cannot predict, that we do not expect, and shows hospitality and care in the most paradoxical of ways, dying on the cross and conquering death for us. Communion invites us to imagine what can become when we as diverse and disagreeing people gather around tables looking to Christ. It creates the opportunities for our hearts and minds to be transformed by the Holy Spirit who works in the wildest of ways. And it forcibly reminds us that the presence of Jesus is not dependent on what kind of bread we break, but what kind of communities we create while we break it. Because when we break this bread, Christ does new things. Christ meets us in the chaos. Christ builds tables for us to gather in times of tension and uncertainty. And Christ calls us to do the same. So I give permission and grace to us all to remember fondly a time when communion in our lives included fresh baked bread and hugs. But let us remember that even as we taste the cardboard of a safely individually wrapped wafer, know that God is still with us and have the faith to see that God is doing a new thing. And at this table, God welcomes us to join in. Amen. find the light that got you through the cloudy days when the stars ain't shining bright you feel like you've lost your way when those candle lights of home burn so very far away well you gotta let your soul shine just like my daddy used to say he used to say his soul shine it's better
Lucas, thank you for your sermon. You're welcome. Thanks for letting me preach. You are, um, you are spot on about this worry that I carry all the time of that what I want most to be close to people in our congregation, people in the, in the community um, can also be really dangerous for them and, and potentially for me. Um, how, how are you coping with that, especially starting as a new pastor here? Yeah, it's it's definitely a struggle. Um, it's this like irony of that. It's like the thing that I want to do as an extrovert, as someone who has always um, found God and found um, connection to God in those relationships and in meeting new people. Um, it's hard. It's just harder to do that um, with a mask and with six feet. Um, but it's something that I also believe we need to be doing just for safety. And so it's it's this pull. Um, but you know. I do believe God's doing a new thing and we're trying to figure out how um, we play a part in that and what that looks like but just keep going mm -hmm. building community six feet apart <laughs> yep that's a good tagline <laughs> yeah Jeannie, Jeannie Sullivan on our staff uh, made that tagline this week um, why, why don't you tell people about Discover Downtown coming up at your house oh yeah so we, we've realized that um, there's been a lot of 
um, new faces that have been maybe joining us for worship or listening online here um, that we haven't met yet. And we want to provide an opportunity for um, folks new to Downtown Church to hear a bit about the Downtown Church story, meet Don and I on a more personal level, um, and just get a better feel for the church. So we're going to see your house and see my house, which is uh, a work in progress. Um, but we're going to have uh, dinner. I don't even know the date off the top of my head. Sometime. I think it's Wednesday, November 18th. Yeah, we're going to. That's a Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, have some people over and gather and do it outside so we can be safe and have dinner and get to know one another. Um, yeah. So there'll be a sign up on the website, right, for new yeah, members. Yeah, it's up. Yep. Or, so if you're, um, yeah, you don't don't even have to be a member. Yeah. If you've worshipped with us at least once and you want to know more, just sign up. It's limited, you know, and it'll be outside so it's safe. Um, well, back to your sermon. I am, I'm glad that we are in the series of asking constantly what is good news. Um, and what I heard you say, the good news is transformation. Um, and I thought about it as I was driving in today uh, to the church, all the construction that's around us. And, you know, a lot of people look at it and they're like, oh, it's, you know, such an eyesore. But to me, it's, um, it's this constant reminder that God's doing something new mm-hmm. um, and that we're not set in stone. And, um there is always hope in that. Uh, so I'm grateful. I'm excited to think about communion in a, in a new way, trusting that God's transforming us. Amen. And now we're going to come to a time of Holy Communion together. So I invite you uh, to find some substance, some bread and juice. And uh, we remember, Lucas says this during baptism about the water, that God makes holy um, ordinary things, ordinary things like water and bread and um, some cup of juice or wine. So let's gather together through these words and through the Holy Spirit connecting us. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The truth is we are carrying heavy burdens those seen and unseen, and many of us are weary. Many need the rest. Jesus invites us through this sacrament to draw near to him and to be filled up with good things. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. We give you thanks, O God, that you do not leave us to our own devices. You come to us over and over again, no matter how lost we feel. We give you thanks that you are patient with us, patient as we get distracted by the things that are not of you, patient as we learn to love. You come to us in Jesus and you teach us that you are the bread of life. We know that when we depend on you, we will not be thirsty or hungry anymore. Though our bodies may hunger and thirst, our spirits will find rest with you. We thank you, O Lord, for the eternal promise to be with us in the chaos or order of our life in this moment, in our loss and subsequent grief, in our dreams for tomorrow. We praise you joining our voices with the choirs of angels and with all the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name.
Jesus, you gave us this meal to remember you, to remember the sacrifice you made for us so that we can find rest and healing with you. Bless now these gifts of bread and wine. Transform them as you transform us. Amen. We remember on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it before our eyes, and he said, Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Don't forget. And in the same way, he took the cup, and he blessed it, and he poured it out, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Take, drink. Do not forget. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we proclaim that Christ's death and saving grace until he comes again. God, you give us good things. We thank you for the gifts of bread and wine, and we thank you that even as they take on new form in these unprecedented times, your word remains true. You are transforming us. You are renewing us by your grace, washing us clean, filling us up, making us ready to go out and serve you. Amen. So friends, know that within the chaos, within the uncertainty, Christ is doing a new thing. Christ is doing a new thing, and Christ does so at this table and welcomes us to join in. So go out into the world and be anxious for nothing, but pray to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. A special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Sean Thompson and Arisha Connor Frierson. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. Love Will Conquer All by Lionel Richie. Gloria Patry by City Hymns. And Soul Shine by the Almond Brothers Band. Scripture quoted from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. And theological musings and prayer brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde.